0: Thanks for tuning in to Best Show Ever, a podcast presented by the Englert Theater. In today's episode, we're talking about sustainable farming with Ella Ostegaard, an artist and employee at Wildwoods Farm. We'll be touching on what growing organically entails, what that work does for our community, and what it gives back to the farmers physically and spiritually. Let's get a word from one of our sponsors and then jump into the conversation. This episode is supported in part by Lensing Funeral Home. Throughout our life, we celebrate many different events, baptisms, weddings, bar mitzvahs. However, the funeral may be the most important because it's the final rite of passage, an event and celebration to remember and pay tribute to the one we loved. Lensing Funeral Home has over a 100 years of service with two convenient locations in Iowa City and Coralville. Visit Lensing Funeral Home at 605 Kirkwood Avenue in Iowa City, 210 Holiday Road in Coralville, or online at LensingFuneral.com. Wildwoods Farm is a sustainable vegetable farm located a few miles north of Iowa City in rural Solon. Wildwoods is a community-supported agricultural farm, CSA, offering subscription services for families in the area to receive weekly drop-offs of fresh produce direct from the farm, maximizing freshness and transparency. Our guest, Ella Ostegard, has been working her way up at Wildwoods Farm for several years now and has built a deep understanding of and appreciation for sustainable farming. Additionally, Ella is a multimedia artist whose work is informed by daily interactions with nature. It's Ella and Ellie. It's a perfect match. A perfect match for a perfect podcast. (laughs) Thank you for joining us at The Englert today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. First of all, can you just tell us a bit about what you do when it comes to farming and and all that jazz?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I started like four years ago now. Um, The farm I work at is called Wildwoods Farm, and it's a sustainable, organic farm. We grow so many different kinds of vegetables, basically all of them that you can think of. Like I think it's somewhere like over 250 different varieties. And um, yeah, we do everything from the seeding all the way up to harvesting. And then we are actually a CSA farm. So that stands for Community Supported Agriculture, which Mm -hmm. means we basically prepare boxes each week for our customers. And we give them all of these fresh vegetables that we've like pretty much the day of, we pick everything that we give. So it's super, super fresh, very like, we take a lot of pride in cleaning everything, making things really nice looking. Um, Yeah, so that's pretty much what we're doing for 16 weeks of the summer, is just making boxes of vegetables. Um, Before and after that, it's like greenhouse stuff, you know, in the spring. And then in the fall, we have a fall share as well. And then it's just kind of cleaning up the farm. next year doing cover Mm -hmm. crops and stuff after that so it lasts like the season goes from basically March all the way through sometimes to December and then we have like a three-month break which is really nice. Mm
0: -hmm. And is this like your full-time gig?
1: Yeah um, pretty much you know it's like I can afford it because I live a very frugal life but one thing about farming is it doesn't pay very well mm-hmm. that's something that we're trying to get some laws changed actually right now to get more um, government funds to like kind of supplement because when you're a small farm like so my boss is Kate Edwards and she's been doing this for a little over 10 years now and she's just a small woman business owner just built it from the ground up by herself so she can't really afford to like pay people a ton of money right yeah um one of the benefits of working there is you get all the produce you could possibly desire. Like, Mm -hmm. just take whatever you want, whenever you want it. So I get paid through vegetables Mm -hmm. (laughs) as well as monetarily. Um, But since I've been working there for like four years now, uh, slowly getting to be paid more. And uh, yeah, I've been like, she had a baby last year. Congratulations Mm -hmm. to Kate. And so like, I learned a lot about how to manage the farm last year. Cause she couldn't, she had a baby and it was a pandemic year too. Right. So. Yeah. Um I started kind of like just being a, a worker bee, right? Like just doing all of the odd jobs that need to get done. And now I'm getting to look more on like behind the scenes, like seed ordering, um, making spreadsheets, crop rotation, all that kind of stuff. It's a lot.
0: Dang.
1: It's yeah, a
0: lot. The real deal. I, I wasn't sure if, This was part time or you're only like doing one part of the process, but you are. Yeah, I'm fully
1: fully invested at this point. Um, I have like, I would love to start my own farm. So this is kind of, I'm like considering it like a mentorship at this point. Like I'm just, Kate is kind of teaching me everything she knows. Um, Mm. And I'm going to hopefully go out and do my own thing one day with all that knowledge.
0: Right. And how did you decide to start doing this? Um,
1: So I lived in a housing collective with a bunch of other people, all really cool people. I had a roommate and they would come home every day just covered in mud, just covered in mud. And I'm very outdoorsy. and I jealous? Jealous. (laughs) So jealous. And so I asked them, I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing every day to get so muddy? And they were like, oh, I work at um, this farm. And I just immediately was like, type, 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 type. Let me look it up. Yeah. Uh, they were hiring. So I applied, got an interview, did an interview. I had to plant bok choy on my interview. Mm-hmm. It's a leafy green. It's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. Um, in the uh, high tunnel. And we would basically measure out a four by four foot section. And Kate was like, okay, you have to plant 400 bok choy into this section in less than 20 minutes. Go. And I was like, oh, no. Okay, here we go. And I was like, I didn't know what I was doing or anything. So I didn't cut my nails. I had like kind of long nails and I was like digging into this really hard clay soil. And I just broke every single nail. I was just, she came back after half an hour and I still wasn't done. She was like, okay, um, next plot. Just try and decrease your time by 10 minutes. So it's like a very high stakes job. Like you got to be quick. You got to get things done. Wow. It's um hard work. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. I was wondering about what, what your favorite parts of the whole thing is in a very like literal and physical sense. Mm -hmm. Um, clearly you like being outdoors. Yes. Do you like the manual labor aspect? Does that give back to you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it really does. I love to use my body and my hands. Um, I find that it helps me kind of ground myself and center myself if I'm being active. Like I could never just sit at a desk job nine to five. That's just not my thing. Mm -hmm. I just would get too antsy. So being able to like be active all day and also like that's my job. So I get paid for it. It's a really good trade off for me. And then I don't feel like I have to go to a gym or anything because I'm lifting heavy things, you know, moving my body around. Like it's perfect for me. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I love just being under the sun just every single day outside, there's so much to see every day. Like every day is a new sunrise every day. There's new plants sprouting. There's just always something new happening. And that's one of the things I love the most about it is it's always changing. Even though you like do the same things every year, right? It's not ever really the same, especially with climate change. Like we have to adapt as we go, Yeah, which is kind of cool. I like that I have a lot of independence in the job, and Kate kind of trusts me to make my own decisions. And um, that's super, super awesome. I really appreciate that.
0: Mm-hmm. What does farming give to you in, on, like, a more abstract level, spiritually, mentally? Um gives me a lot. I
1: was thinking, you know, there was this book I listened to while I was on the farm. It's called Braiding Sweetgrass. Yes.
0: Molly I mean, loves that yeah, book. She, she always talks about it. Yeah, yeah. Molly's the
1: one who recommended Gotta it to read me. read it. Yeah, so okay. um, Braiding Sweetgrass, it's by Robin Kimmerer. Kimmerer. I don't know how to say her last name, but she's um, an indigenous scientist. So she literally braids, like, the folklore that comes from her indigenous background with her, like, scientific botanist brain and she like meshes it all together and like she just tells all these uh stories like have you heard of the Three Sisters or anything about that? Uh -uh. Okay, so the Three Sisters is a Native American planting style. It um consists of corn, beans, and squash. Those are like the three companion plants. They basically all help each other in some aspect or another. Like the um corn grows first and it has a nice sturdy stalk. So then the beans can vine up the stalk, and then the squash lays on the ground and creates um, kind of like a weed barrier.
0: Mm.
1: And if you plant them all together, oh, and the beans also provide um, nitrogen into the soil, which the corn kind of like sucks out. And you can do like um, borders, different borders of herbs or flowers that also help with pests. And it's just a uh, it's really cool to be able to see and know like how people have been farming for centuries and centuries before us cuz now we just grow corn and soybeans primarily mm-hmm. in rows, you know, a lot of tilling, a lot of um, herbicides, pesticides, fertilizers and we're really just not taking care of the land. So like for me, being able to work on a farm, I get to really like put my morals first, right? Like I care about the environment, so I want to contribute to a farm that is being organic and is doing these practices that are actually conserving our soil um, and our earth for mm-hmm. like future generations to use. Mm-hmm. I think that's like what I get spiritually out of it is so much knowledge of like better practices that I can then share with people I know.
0: Mm. Yeah. It sounds like you're very thoughtful about the past and the, the future of humans and the earth yeah which like yeah to just be thinking about that all the time and how you can I- inject your own energy and love into into making those things connect yeah and be better that's really cool
1: yeah it's wonderful and I really believe that plants thrive when they're loved you know like I don't haven't done a test but like I've got a bunch of seeds in my basement right now and I talk to them
0: mm-hmm. while I'm watering them I'm like how are you guys
1: doing today I love you guys oh. like <laughs> I just think it's important, you know, and they just grow good. Like, they grow good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So as much as, like, light and water is important, so is, like, loving those plants. Like, because they're living, they're alive, they're providing us with a great benefit, food. I mean, we need it to survive. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it's nice to be able to give back and tend to that kind of thing. Like, care for those plants that give us so much.
0: Mm, Like, maternal Yeah, it
1: is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I've, I write a lot of poetry while I'm out on the farm because it's so inspiring just to be outside and like, it's kind of sexual in a way, but like you put the plants in the ground, right? So you kind of have to like stick your fingers into the dirt and open it up and then you put the plant in the seed or the little seedling and then you like cover it up. It's like it's in the womb, you know, growing Mm -hmm. And then it kind of emerges into the light, like it's pushing through to the light and then just like that sun beating down, like that's like very fatherly to me, this like sun just like on the plants and the earth, like giving all the energy for it to suck up. It's like this cool kind of like parental thing I see going on.
0: Oh, super interesting. Yeah. Cool. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about the sustainable organic aspect? What does that mean and what does it provide, I guess?
1: Yeah, so I think there's kind of three parts that go into sustainability in farming. There's like an economic factor, right? So like you have to be able to produce um, like enough profit to survive, while still being sustainable. So there's kind of that question: how do we make money while also using practices that aren't gonna harm our land? Because often they are more expensive and more labor intensive. Like you can't just use big machinery, you know, to do all this stuff. We do a lot of stuff by hand. Um, so that's one factor. And then there's like the social factor, right? You have to provide a mutual benefit to the community. Um, So, like, I like CSAs because they're very transparent. We basically make a deal. You buy in, um, you pay uh, ahead of time, and then you basically trust that farmer to produce enough stuff for every week for you to, like, eat and your family to eat. Um, And we are very um, transparent about, like, how we grow things. We tell everyone, like, what kind of things we use. We do have to use some um, fertilizer, and we use some organic uh, pesticides, Cause you have to, but we're very transparent about all of that. So like, it's hard for me now to just buy a pepper from the grocery store. Cause I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't know where you've been. <laughs> I don't know what's happened to you. I don't know like who's handled you or like what went into the dirt around you. So like, I just love that. I know exactly who handled it, exactly how it was grown. That's a really important aspect to me too. Um, and to be able to provide that to the community is super awesome. And then I guess the last one, the most important one, would be like environmental, right? So stewardship of natural systems and resources. Um, there's a lot of different things we do on the farm <laughs> to like try to be as sustainable as possible. I'll just like list a few things off that yeah. we do and I can like kind of go into depth of them. Um, so like crop rotation is really important. You have a bunch of different families of crops. You've got like your roots, carrots, beets, turnips, radishes, You've got your greens, you've got your legumes, your beans and peas. You've got um, the nightshades, which is like eggplant, um, tomato, peppers. And you have like your brassicas, like um, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. Those things all take different nutrients out of soil, use it differently. So you can't plant the same thing in the same area Mm -hmm. every year. So we make sure we do crop rotations every year. That's super important. We do cover cropping over the winter. So you use cereal grains like wheat, barley, rye. Those uh, provide a lot of nutrient back into the soil. So that's an important thing that you do. And it also can um, help with like, root structure underground to prevent erosion. Mm. Um, diversity is a big one. Uh, we grow, like I said, so many different things. That's really beneficial for the whole biome, like animals, insects, everything benefits when it's not just one thing. A big problem with the corn is that it's very susceptible to pests because it's all basically the exact same plant. Like, it's just clones. Mm -hmm. They've produced a corn that makes a good harvest. However, the drawback is that that corn is now really susceptible. If a pest gets into it, it'll get into everything because it's all the same Mm -hmm. if you have diversity um different pests will eat one thing but not another and you can kind of control it a lot better um composting we compost a lot that's a good way to take your excess waste and put it right back into the ground Mm -hmm. uh tilling we try to do like as minimal tilling as possible because when you till you kind of stir the dirt, and leave those nutrients to be blown away in the wind or washed away by water. So thinking ahead, you have to think, okay, where do we need to till, how much do we need to till, and how do we do it with as least damage to the ground as possible? So you just really have to like be conscious about what you're doing. Um, pest management, like I said, we do use some pesticides. They are all organic. Um, Other than that, though, we can use, uh, actually, other plants to deter pests. Like, nasturtium is an edible flower, and it's really good at um, deterring pests. It's also Mm. beautiful, and you can eat it. Tight. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So, like, things like that. There's um, companion plants. So, like, for example, tomatoes and basil do really well together. And maybe basil fends off a tomato pest. Things like that. You can just... Think about what will benefit the other plants and um, how to use that to your advantage instead of adding more uh, chemicals. Mm. Just use the plants themselves, right? Mm. Uh, Water usage. So we do like irrigation, drip irrigation, which is pretty, pretty sustainable. Like you've got these long tubes basically with little slits cut into them and it just drips the water out. And we're very careful not to leave those on too long. Like, we have times set for when each field needs to be irrigated. That's something that'll be harder as climate changes more because we're going to have drier summers and we're going to have to do more irrigation because there won't be as much rain. Um, The very last one I could really think of is just health benefits in general. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're eating good food, you're just going to be a better person, I think. Yeah. And, like, when people get into the CSA, they're really likely to stay in it because it's so good, you know. And, like, if more people can just do that, then, I mean, it's just starting the ball rolling, right, towards more organic, sustainable farming. Mm -hmm. If we make that what people want, like, if we show people want to have this, then it'll happen more. And I think it already is kind of happening more. So just, like, spreading the word about it is really helpful, too. Just, you have to start somewhere and there's like perfection. Like you shouldn't be trying to get an A in sustainability, right? Like just do what you can and that's still better than doing nothing at all. And then as you kind of learn and grow, you can do more, implement more and more things. So it doesn't have to, I think it feels kind of scary sometimes, like, mm. oh my God, I have to compost everything, yep. I have to recycle, I have to do all this and that, buy organic, but like, just try to start somewhere, you know? Yeah. It's like, we're not perfect on the farm, we could do better. Um, one area I wish we could do better in is plastic waste. Um, because of FDA regulations, we have to use a lot of plastic to keep things, um, like, from getting bacteria and stuff on them in the coolers. It's mm-hmm. just like a thing we have to do. I'd love to kind of figure out a solution to that. I don't know if it would be like biodegradable, kind of like compostable plastic or what, but like there's always room to improve, mm-hmm. but you have to start somewhere.
0: I like that. I've always thought that way about being a vegetarian. I was a vegetarian for like six years. And whenever I would talk about it with people, they'd just be like, Oh, I can't do that. I can't give it all up at once. Like, I love this too much. I love chicken too much or whatever. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't like the the thought that you have to be all or nothing. Yeah. If you just do something so small as cut it out of your weekend or, yeah, or totally. cut this one meat out, the the impacts on all sorts of things, the environment, animal cruelty you know are are so huge like you don't have to put the pr- the pressure on yourself to absolutely do it all. Yeah. Which it also maybe seems like when you do say things like we're a sustainable farm or I'm a vegetarian, people are more likely to yeah. analyze you, which is kind of scary. Yep.
1: There's definitely a judgment that can come from it.
0: Like yeah.
1: people almost seem like Kind of put off at first sometimes when I tell them I work on an organic farm they're like oh you work on an organic farm like they're interested right but they also I think it's like a reflection of their own ego like mm. I think that they see me like working on an organic farm and they start to feel self-conscious
0: if yes. that makes sense yes but I'm
1: like super open to like oh my god I could talk about this for hours honestly to and anyone mentioned farming and I will just like start blabbering on and on yeah like it's so fun to share that kind of knowledge and I don't want anyone to feel scared of it because it's not scary it's not hard you just have to like put in a little extra work yeah. um really like just learning about uh like how important it is has really made me more committed to being more sustainable
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's a like cyclical thing
0: yeah I do I do think that there's a I guess, stigma or perception of, like, when you see something's organic and you're just like, oh, it's more expensive or, mm-hmm. you know, w- whatever, if if you don't know much about it, yeah. which is like, unfortunately, yeah, you are going to have to be the one to put in the work mm-hmm. to learn more about it because it's not... Mm-hmm. Like our government is no, they're not out here being anything. like organic farming, eat healthy. Absolutely
1: not. You have to be. <laughs> they're very... like eat meat. <laughs> yes, you have to take it into your own hands. You yeah. can't wait for someone to pass a law. Like okay, on the farm, we are actually lucky enough to have some say in Iowa legislature. At least like Kate's already done some work, really good work, passing different laws for organic farming. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more to come. Truly, like uh pfi practical farmers and there's one other one called i think um it's called something like young farmers but it basically Mm -hmm. gets um youths who are interested in farming and it offers grants for people who want to start farms stuff like that there's a lot of interest i think especially in our generation to be more sustainable um to be more organic Mm
0: -hmm. more local
1: um just like takes a while for that to actually get all the way up to like the big guys right
0: We'll be right back in conversation with Ella after a word from our development team.
1: If there's one thing we've all learned, it's that the future is unpredictable and uncertain. But the most reliable way to predict the future is to create it. If the future you want to create involves a thriving and innovative arts community, then you should invest in the future of the Ingler through our Fellowship for the Future program. With the Fellowship for the Future gift commitment, the Inglert has a stronger foundation to plan for even bigger growth. We are dedicated to investing more in our passionate staff, our innovative programming, and our diverse community. Victor Hugo once wrote, There is nothing like a dream to create the future. And here at the Inglert, we have big dreams, and we're going to be a part of an amazing future for our community. Please visit englert.org fellowship for more information or contact us to talk about what we can build together.
0: How, in what ways is gardening and farming a radical act?
1: Yeah, um, what's radical about it is that you're um, not relying on someone else to give you uh, food. You're relying on yourself. Um, you're taking responsibility for the soil that you're using, um, for the seeds that you're growing, um, and you're putting that work in. Like it's a very fulfilling thing to have your own garden, even if it's just a little guy, even if it's just some herbs in your windowsill. Like that's still something that you produced and didn't have to go and buy at a grocery store. I think that's really radical in and of itself, and I especially think that just the the amount of like sheer labor it takes to do. Um, farming is super radical like you have to have some strength you know physically and mentally and spiritually
0: Mm -hmm. because some
1: days it's pouring rain and you got to go out there and you got to harvest the kale in the pouring rain it's not going to wait for you it's Mm -hmm. not going to wait for the rain to pass you have to go out there it's 110 degrees sweating gotta still pick the tomatoes Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's like it just never ends. There's always something to do. And you have to have, like, a really strong mentality to be able to, like, just keep up with everything. Yeah. Um, learning more about, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff. I see how much Kate puts into planning our farm. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, we're about to start seeding in the greenhouse. And uh, I helped her make a bunch of spreadsheets with my other good friend, Elena, who's been working for the exact same amount of time as me, like... We're a great team, Elaine and I. I love to be able to just work in a woman-centered environment where Mm. we all just work so well together. It Mm. really makes my life a lot easier. Um, But, like, we just had to pretty much look through all of the data from last year. That's something that's really important. You look at the data from last year, you see where you created waste and where you can cut things out or add things in as needed. That's a good way to, like, kind of minimize... um, I don't know like yeah just wasting money or space Um, and like you really have to go through and just plan okay so the first week of March we're gonna seed three trays of broccoli four trays of kale you Mm -hmm. know like down Mm -hmm. to like the specific number for every single week of the summer it's a lot you know yeah you have to think okay where were the plants last year do I need to put the tomatoes in the south field now, in the north field? Like, how are we going to rotate this so that everything's in a new spot? Mm. How are we going to irrigate this year? You know, like just there's a lot that goes into it. Just a oh, puzzle. It's a puzzle. It really oh, is a puzzle. Um, but putting it together is really satisfying. Looking at stuff and being like, ooh, I have an idea. This is how we're going to do things now. This is going to, like, make our production even better. Like, that is a really cool thing to be able to, to like, participate in.
0: Wow. Yeah. Just, like, the, con- the constant problem solving.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, another question I had. We kind of talked about this a little bit, but you're an artist as well yeah. as a farmer and yeah. a student. How does working informing inform your art practices
1: that's a great question um as I said I'm super inspired by nature I mean I've always thought uh, I really have like a macro view of the world I look at things really close up um so I'll like see a leaf and I'll just hold it like an inch from my eye and just <laughs> stare at all those beautiful little veins running through it and that inspires me more than anything. Just uh, kind of like observing the very fine, intricate patterns that you see over and over again in nature. Sometimes like I'll be on a plane, right? Looking out the window and you see those mountains below and you see the way they're kind of like folding. It looks like fabric almost. Like Mm -hmm. if you had like a silk sheet on a bed, it would almost look the same as a mountain looks. And I think that's really cool. That micro macro view, Mm -hmm. you know, like those veins in the leaf, same as in our body, Same as lightning coming down from the sky. Like, I really love that. Mm. I just love to see what nature inherently creates and how can I try and, like, replicate that in my Mm. art,
0: you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was creeping on your Instagram earlier. (laughs) Yeah, I could definitely see your attention to detail when it comes to things in nature, which is really cool. I I remember watching a video um, about, I guess atheism um but which i mean everyone has something else that they connect to spiritually but this person was talking about like connecting with nature mm-hmm. and yeah they were just like holding up a leaf and they're like look at this yeah. look at this this is amazing the way yeah. this feeds into this and feeds this and yeah. it makes this shape and like yeah the patterns um Fibonacci's is that something yeah
1: Fibonacci that absolutely weirdness so cool it's very interesting that golden ratio
0: right oh my gosh you could spend your whole life just being
1: amazed by I mean like I would say nature is my muse and Mm. nature is my religion because I wasn't born I didn't go to church ever (laughs) I've maybe been like a I count on one hand, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm open to anything, and I've studied a lot of different religions, but nothing's ever stuck, you know. Mm -hmm. I just can't, like, commit myself to believing in just one thing. I like to pick and choose what I like, but if there's one thing I really believe in, it's the cycle of nature. Like, Mm -hmm. things will grow, and then they will die, and then they will decay, and they will be put right back into the earth. And that I believe in. I don't really know what happens after we die, like, if our spirit lives on. Or not, but like in my idea of the world, <laughs> we all just get returned back into the soil and maybe I'll come back as like a tree mm-hmm. and then I'll get to see what it's like to be a tree for a while. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll kind of calcify into a rock underground, be dug up like a hundred years later, you know, like mm. I believe in that. Mm. I might not be me anymore, but I'm like the, the molecules that make me up, make up everything else too. Mm. So I'm just going to be returned
0: back into all of it. Wow. <laughs> Somehow we got to reincarnation. I know. <laughs> I, love I don't that. know. <laughs> That's what I love about having these conversations. It's <laughs> like, yeah, you never know where you're going to go. Never <laughs> okay, well, for our last question, we're going to shift gears a bit. Okay. And I'm going to ask you about your favorite live event in Iowa City. It could be music, <sighs> yeah. your musician... Gosh,
1: okay, so you sent me this ahead of time, and that was actually the question I struggled the most with, right? Yeah, it always is, yep. I've lived here my whole life, you know, I'm 23 now, so I've got 23 years of Iowa City. How am I supposed to choose one thing out of all of that, right? (laughs) And yeah, like you said, like I played saxophone in a band for like four years, so I played at Gabe's and Yacht Club, Joe's Place, like all the time. And something I loved about that was, and I'm sure you can relate, you just see so many different musicians come through, right? Mm -hmm. People you'd never heard of before. See so many great bands, meet so many fantastic people, and I just couldn't, I can't, I can't choose, (laughs) but I was
0: thinking
1: thinking about it and I realized, um, I guess it's not like one show, but it's kind of like a place that existed in Iowa City. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the Garden Club? Yeah. Stop. The Garden Club, yeah. man. Yeah. That's my favorite Iowa City thing. Because yep. it was so free. Mm-hmm. Like, you could have an art gallery up there. You could have a, a music show up there. You could put up a play up there. Mm-hmm. Anything you want. Mm-hmm. I loved that space. And I would love another space like that in Iowa City that is just like a free, open, creative space to host whoever the heck wants to come in and do something with the space. I remember my friend Serena, she did like a, in I I don't know if you'd call it like an installation or an exhibition or something, but I was just standing in the corner for part of it, painting a banana red <laughs> as there's like a million other things going on around me. Yeah. And then at some point, I just smashed that banana against the wall and started smearing it all over the wall as again, like all sorts of other things are happening. And at the end of it, uh, we went out onto the roof and we had like one of those big birthday cakes you can get from Hive. Yeah. And Serene and I, we just fought with this cake. We just <laughs> took huge handfuls of this cake and just started chucking them at each other. Yeah. And people like we they like kind of crawled out the window and followed us, like the audience, out onto the roof. So it was like so much fun. Yeah. Just I would love more of that. Yeah. You know? Out of the box. Yes. Just free expression, creativity. At its peak.
0: Yeah. I feel like we saw a little bit of that again with the Black Liberation Space, which hopefully there'll be yeah. more with that. But yeah, just talking recently, I met so many of my best friends now at the Garden Club. Me and too. It was very community-oriented, mm-hmm. very free. Yes. Very... Um, I would almost say queer, like absolutely, just yeah. absolutely open for exploration, mm-hmm. which is to the credit of like Serena and Molly yeah. and everyone who was making it a safe space. And yeah. Yes, we're oh my gosh! I'm so happy that we like lived in the time that was, that too. had the Garden Club. Me too. Even though it was a short time.
1: It was too short. Too short. But it was a beautiful little thing that existed, yeah. and I'm really grateful that I got to be a part of it. Same. Yeah. yeah. Maybe one day. One day. Be something they I mean, mean, there are so many powerful forces of people in this city. You know, mm-hmm. you just gotta get the right people together at the right time. Yeah, and like anything's possible. That's true.
0: Hell yeah. Okay. Well, one we'll on that note. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank again you so much for coming in. It was
1: really nice to talk to you.
0: <laughs> Did this interview get you all jacked up on sewing and growing? Well, luckily for you, Wildwoods Farm is currently hiring part-time and full-time farmers. Head to wildwoodscsa.com to learn more. Support for this podcast comes from Friends of the Inglert and Fellowship for the Future members. Learn more at englert.org friends. Ongoing support is provided by the National Endowment for the Arts and the Iowa Arts Council. Our intro music is Free the Bowl by Dan Padley, and our interstitial music is provided by Iowa City Jazz Fusion Group WaveCage.